to Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. Two words for you, Mr. Edge. Holy buckets, once again. Oh. Why? Well, for several reasons. A, Brian Anderson's in the house. Yeah. And we had a really, really good interview with him that you're going to hear from here in just a bit. But more than that, um, we've got so many, many things to cover. And I'm going to defend myself in this uh, intro here. But before we do that, one of the exciting Holy Buckets moments is something happening Friday on Walton Webcasting that I'm pretty excited about. We've got a cyber stock show back. Oh, really? Yeah. I've actually kind of... I won't say I've missed the cyber stock shows, but it it did give me something to do and uh, might might need to watch that. Yeah, um, it's called The Heat, and um, rightfully so. It's been a little warm, so um, they're calling it The Heat, and that it can be viewed on Walton Webcasting on Friday, the 28th. So uh, hop on over to Walton Webcasting and see that on Friday. And then the next day, they've got several different events happening Schaefer's gold rush breeding demo starts in the morning then you have the alliance preview there also in the morning and then right after that they're going to do the Schaefer's gold rush board parade then the second preview of the alliance all kinds of stuff going on next this coming weekend man you're gonna have crews everywhere it sounds like so yeah uh, good good times uh to be had i I'm curious to see how this how this cyber stock show goes. Yeah, um, I've actually I've I've got a couple going to this one. You know, some of those later later yeah. shows here in Ohio that they weren't quite ready for those or didn't even have them bought really for the first couple, mm-hmm. and now they've got an opportunity to uh, submit uh, their video to the Heat, which are already closed. But excited no, to see do that. We know who's do we know who's judging that one? Don't know. Don't know yet. Mm. Uh, if so, it's, it's probably already published but i just haven't seen yet yeah right right good stuff and also don't forget um there's some sales coming up here on uh would that be that'd be sunday on show cattle connection um cannot forget to mention our great folks at show cattle connection and the incredible names that are selling on august 30th ryan mcintosh show cattle fall sale alone in weeks is happening there on the 30th as well as well as the Southern Ohio Elite Treat sale, all happening on Sunday. So hop on over to Chilcato Connection after you're done watching Walton Webcasting. Yeah, I'm just saying I would, uh, I would, I would for sure if I was if I was buying cattle, I'd probably buy them on Chilcato Connection. Yeah, and main the main reason if I were buy cattle would be because. If I had any questions, I know there'd be a, a solid group of people that would just shoot me the shoot me straight and don't feed me any BS and would lead me in the right direction. Or if I had a group that I was going to sell, uh, it would be through Show Cattle Connection because I would feel comfortable doing so, surrounded by the folks there at Show Cattle Connection. No doubt, no doubt, good peoples, and you know what they say about surrounding yourself with good people. Yeah, you got to do it in this industry, or re- really anywhere. So, yep. So, so Kirky, you, uh, you know, we we did something last week. Um, we did a breed them, ship them, show them. 
Yeah. And it was, it was uh, a challenging one to decide which one to breed, which one to ship and which one to show, but mostly which one to breed because the options that we were given with a crypt orchid, with a um, hermaphrodite sheep, and then a free Martin heifer, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you had to make a decision. And um, for, for those out there that maybe give Trevor a hard time, me included, just because I like giving Trevor a hard time anyway, um, they're, they're, the option to breed one is very slim on any of them. Uh, number one, uh, you can't breed a hermaphrodite, period. Number two, uh, a crypt orchid, uh, as we know, actually cannot generate, uh, it does not have enough testosterone to generate semen. And, and three, you have this free Martin heifer. So Trevor, I won't go to bat and defend you because I feel like you're going to be just in your own defense of the reason that you chose to breed the free Martin. So please let the people know. Exactly. Uh, so this is why breeding ship and show them so fun because it brings up a lot of good topics. The easiest decision would be which one to ship because you'd want to ship them all. Let's be honest. We're not going to breed any of those. But the scenario that I was given, I chose to breed the free Martin because although it's like a half percent chance, there is a test out there that you can get done to see if that is a free Martin or not. Because you can actually get a test done. And since there is a half percent chance that it will breed on, that's actually more than what the other two options would be. You're saying there's a chance. You're, I'm saying there's a chance. Because I, I, after the flood of messages and snaps and you're an idiot's comments that I got, which I, I can take. That's why these are fun. I really, really don't care. Uh, but they really got after me about trying to breed the free Martin. Well, I challenge you to pick another option that's better because now everybody said, so you're saying that the Crip Yorkshire boar had less of a chance if there is, which we didn't say if it was a single or double Crip. True. If it's a double, the heat that those testicles are suspended up in the body cavity will not allow for testicular development. So no semen to be able to be used. If it's a single... Obviously, there's a little bit more in the descended testicle, but the one that is up in the abdomen has surrounded itself by so much that it diminishes testosterone being released. And I'm not a vet, but I would have to imagine that there would be half the amount of semen produced just in that that fact. So obviously, hermaphrodite, it can only brood itself maybe, but... uh, Uh, that's that was yeah. the options I was it's given and I'm no. sticking with it. You know, so. uh, I, I honestly, as we were talking through it, I, during the episode, I was like, Oh yeah, breed the heifer. Duh. But then, you know, people were sending us some messages and we had some comments and I got some Snapchats like you guys are idiots and you can't breed a free Martin. I'm like in that scenario where you have to breed one, ship one and show one the logical choice to breed is the one that at least has some percentage chance to produce offspring yeah so um (laughs) really interesting topic and it's all because of max look uh this week it's your turn to make a mistake 
uh, or, or get uh, crucified on our messages and snaps or whatever uh, for those listening. Um, we have a listener submission this week. Oh, boy. And I'm pretty excited about it because it's a much different scenario uh, than what our buddy Max looks sent in last week. But our friend Derek on Facebook sends in a pretty good one for you this week, Corey. And okay. uh, I'm going to tell the listeners that make your own and send it in because these are really, really fun to do. And uh, you may hear your own Breedem Shipem show them on a following week episode. Speaking of following week, uh, the people have spoken, Corey, and we are going to do uh, just us episodes every five episodes now. They want to hear a little bit more from us. So every five, so 85, 90, 95, all of those are going to be just us, and we'll probably throw those up on YouTube. So looking forward to that. We uh, put a poll out there, and that's what the people want. So that's what we're going to give them. All right. Um, Freedom Ship and Show them does not have a sponsor yet. It is for sale. Um, so if yeah. you would like to be a sponsor of Breed and Ship and Show them, it is available. We're talking to you, Hobby Gel or Transova <laughs> yeah. or, or the Stockyards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, uh, yeah. So anyways, service. Derek, thanks for sending this one in. Here we go. Option number one. We've got a crossbred guilt, Corey. Oh, wait, wait. What, what is, what's the parameters of this? We're going to get right into it. I'm, oh, okay. I'm going to tell you. So. I'm reading I'm reading his message verbatim here. Okay. So Derek, he wants to know, breed him, ship him, show him, Corey. Crossbred guilt good enough to smoke every show you ever wish to take her to. But due to the purchase agreement, you cannot sell any female progeny, and all male pigs have to be harvested. Scenario number two. National okay. champion limousine heifer that is in the position to easily win Denver as a senior yearling. Fortunately, unfortunately, okay. though, the vet tells you that she will only be able to have one calf in her lifetime, and she is not a candidate for a flush program because of her faulty reproductive system. Hmm. And option number three, you got a weathered damn doe. She's already won multiple jackpot shows. She's ready to go into nationals and is a favorite to win so. She has six teats on each side, all non-functional. She's not available to carry kids. Vet says she will produce max three embryos per flush. Breed them, ship them, show them, go. Whoa. Okay, so what it sounds like is all three of these livestock are a candidate to show. Because you've got a, a a doe that's won, a Lemmy that's set up to win, and a crossbred guilt that can beat them all. So the the choice to show, I think you can't probably go wrong. The 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 difficult decision is which one do you breed? Because you can't so remind me the crossbred guilt, you can't can't sell any boys and uh, boy pigs and and the females. Due to the purchasing agreement, no females for sale have to harvest all male pigs. Okay, so here's what we're doing. I got it. Okay. We are going to we're going to breed the guilt. Okay. Because if I get to keep females out of a guilt that can beat them all, that's fine. Even if we got a we can't make a boar, whatever. Maybe one of the guilts will make a boar someday. Mm. Okay. So we're going to breed the guilt. 
Um, we are going to ship the dough because by the sounds of things, she's already won some shows. Uh, you got a bad uttered one. That's not going to be able to breed back and only getting three embryos per flush. You don't even know how many of those embryos are going to take out of three just doesn't seem worth the headache to me. So we're going to ship the dough and we are going to go and win Denver with that Lemmy heifer. Oh man. That's a good scenario. That's pretty good. Yeah. Curious to see how this was received by our listeners because uh, those are all three good, good livestock, not the missing tail, missing ear junk that we were sorting through at the stockyards last, last week. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. Love I think it. you would have one hell of a keeper pin with the gilts, though. Yeah, that's what that's why I was thinking. I I breed the gilt for that reason. It would suck because you know, sure would like to go win a bunch of shows and collect some jackpot money, but um, you know, maybe, I mean, I don't know. Maybe since the Lemmy is so good, and it says that all male uh, of the gilt first scenario, there all male pigs have to be harvested doesn't mean that they can't be shown i mean well yeah i mean you're finding a loophole here that i think could work out because they could get harvested after the show you know like yeah yeah can't so read it anyway thank you for so. allowing us to get, get a loophole here in this one yeah derek uh really good one and that means uh you guys listening can send in yours uh shoot us a facebook message a snap email us get on our website and, and shoot us an email there uh we'll get them anyway shape excuse me anyway shape or form so there you have it this week folks freedom Trevor, you know what we should do what's that you know what we should do let's do something for our listeners oh boy okay we've got this new apparel line out why don't we do this for every breed one ship one show one we use in episodes okay we'll do every three months we will draw a winner out of those submissions that we use on the episodes. So, you know, how many episodes do we have a month? Four. Four. So you got every every 12 episodes, we will draw a winner for a Stock Talk hat. Oh, there you go. Now we're talking. Um, what do you think? Yes, Good let's idea. do it. All right. So, Online store, you just mentioned it. Check it out. Uh, incredible new lineup. We've got uh, stuff floating out there, and we'll be floating out there uh, for the next couple of weeks. So, um, it's, it's not just your, uh, grandma's closet, as we like to say, uh, some incredible new back to school options, mm -hmm. or, uh, if you're just ready to get to the next show and support stock talk, um, pretty fashionable, I might say. So I like it. So every 12 episodes, we're going to pick yep. us out one that we use one and, that we use. um, here we yep. go. We've got Max in the, in the hat and now we've got Derek in the hat. Yep. And, uh, so we're going to keep building that, keeping track of them. I like it. That yeah. was a good idea. Yeah, thank you. So episode, what, 77? Is it? This is 80. 80. This is 84. 84? Okay. Sorry. Wow. We are moving. Yeah. 84. That's it. So. Jeez. Okay. Well, episode 96, then, we will be drawing a winner for a Sock Talk hat. For those that we use on the show there for breed go. one, ship one, show one, freedom, ship them, show them. We should put that on a T-shirt, honestly. Yeah, we can. Uh, okay. Speaking of hats, Corey. Yeah, it's time to take it off to somebody. I'll go first this week again. I, I kind of like this segment. 
course, brought to you by Fierce Threads, Big Paul Lifestyle Company. You guys know those are the people that you need to work with if you want to get stuff embroidered or screen printed. Fierce Threads. Fierce-threads.com. Have you seen our apparel line, folks? Woo! All Fierce because threads. of those guys. All right. My hat goes off to you, Golden Arm. What do I mean by Golden Arm? It's the guy or gal who has incredibly high AI conception rates within the tri-state area. The golden arm. The golden arm. You cannot compete with this person because you know that they're going to settle. You better hire this person because you know that conception rates are so high, a.k.a. dollars in your pocket. Mm. And you know who you are. You can get them stuck. Rod's in. You know that one's bread. Bang. Go on to the next one. Hats off to you, our golden arm. Holy buckets. That was awesome. <laughs> I can't stop that. Man, I was going to do something sentimental this week or something like that, but uh, I guess I did one last week. Hey, uh, speaking fun. of last week, how was your anniversary? It was great. Uh, you know, my wife and I do um, enjoy sushi. That's our thing. We go oh, out yeah. uh, on a little sushi date. So we did that. And, uh, yeah, it was good. It was much needed, just kind of date night thing, um, getting out and about. There you so. go. All right. Hats off, Corey. This week, my hat goes off to all the kids starting school. Oh, yeah. We didn't really get a chance to get into it last week. Uh, I know some kids have started school already. But in 2020... When you have to wear a face mask to class and carry baby wipes with you everywhere you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm very proud of each and every one of you kids that is going to stick with it through this fall school year. Um, I know there's been some weird adjustments and I'm certainly glad that I'm not in school. Uh, it also, this also goes to the college kids out there mm -hmm. getting back to school. Um, it's going to look a little different this year, but my hat goes off to you guys. Stick it out. Uh, don't fall behind just because it's a weird time to be in school. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Been seeing a lot of back-to-school photos. Those certainly haven't went anywhere. Mom's still doing know. doing good things. So, Yeah. The, uh, the back-to-school photo is one that I personally did not enjoy growing up. However... I thoroughly enjoy watching parents embarrass their kids on social media now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, it was always the thing. What's even funnier is, you know, these these kids get to, you know, they go school shopping and stuff for all they got to get the new shoes and and the cool shirts and shorts and whatever it is. But uh Hopefully on the new store. You know, I think the coolest back to school picture that somebody could take is with the stock talk shirt on. That's what I'm saying. Hopefully in the new store. You know, you know, it may be a little bit lapsed, but if you didn't get a back to school picture, you certainly can. Hey, if you send it to us, we'll we'll shoot it out there. Yeah. First back to school picture with a stock talk shirt will get blasted on social media. Now, uh, I will segue and I hope that this does not get blasted on the socials. But I'm mm -hmm. looking forward to this weekend. Oh, yeah, this weekend will not be touched on the socials. Okay. Uh, this weekend, we are celebrating the Bachelor 
that is Trevor Kirkpatrick. Mm. Uh, bachelor soon to not be. <laughs> yeah, also happens to land on the birthday weekend, so pray yeah. for me, folks. <laughs> uh, Trevor still has no clue where we're going. Yep, it's actually um, kind of all, fun. Really, all Trevor knows is that he is meeting up with um, past guest and good buddy, Jordan Marks at Todd Price's vet facility, which is also a past guest. So, which is also a past guest. So, so that that is really all that Trevor knows. And he knows that he needs to bring swim trunks and a pillow and blanket, and that's and that's roughly it. Yep. Yep. So, we uh, yeah, we're we're pumped. Um, please keep us in your thoughts as we, <laughs> uh, you know, try to make it through the weekend without any casualties or. You know, we just got to make it home. I, it's I it's gonna be a blast. Get the guys back together. Oh man, I'm sure there'll be stories that we won't tell. So, <laughs> anywho, Corey, uh, you got a job to do, and it's uh, it's to introduce our guest here. And uh, incredible, incredible conversation. What you're gonna hear, but let's hit him with it. Who do we got this week? Although I've already let the cat out of the bag. Well, this week we've got a man that's had 37 jobs all in the livestock industry. We've got a guy whose voice is one of the most recognizable on the end of a microphone, a guy that is built for comfort when judging shows, and certainly one that we are excited to hear from with his new role as CEO of the Certified Pedigreed Swine. So without further ado, let's bring on to Stock Talk Podcast, Mr. Brian Anderson. Well, Corey, another big name on our uh, list that we are finally getting to. So, uh, Mr. Brian Anderson, uh, going to recognize the voice. If you don't know who he is, you're going to know what he sounds like because uh, if you've been at a, a major pig show, you've probably seen or heard Brian Judge. So, we're looking forward to this conversation. Got a lot of really good topics to cover. Uh, so, like we kind of get started here. Just tell us a little bit of background about yourself. Tell your own story because you're the one that tells it best and, and kind of where you're from and what you do. Yeah, well, thank you, Trevor and Corey, for having me and, and uh, look forward to being uh, um, involved with what you've got going today. I, uh, I grew up in Caney, Kansas, small town in southeast Kansas and uh, grew up on a purebred swine operation. Uh, my, my first involvement with purebred hogs was... Uh, Raised in Duroc's, my grandfather, Claude Messner, uh, had a large Duroc farm at that time, Messner Farms in Caney, Kansas. And at that time, uh, he's rolling over in his grave now, knowing what the purebred industry looks like now compared to what it used to be. Um, he, he was large in on-farm test stations. Uh, that's back when we had test stations across the country. And uh, man, that was fun, you know, going, going to some of them test station sales and going through that. But that was my first involvement. And then as this thing uh, materialized, we grew up showing hogs in 4-H and FFA, showed hogs, cattle, and sheep. Uh, before they showed goats at the county fair, the only goats they showed at the county fair then were dairy goats. Mm -hmm. And um, so we, we had a touch of all of those and uh, and uh, was big in livestock judging, had a, had a start in 4-H. And as a freshman in high school, I was a, a member of our Kansas State Champion 4-H team. 
uh, and got to go to the North American in, in Louisville. And man, that, I was hooked from then and uh, had a chance. I was high individual at our state FFA contest as a junior and then uh, tied my senior year and got out talked and ended up second. So I vowed that that would never happen again, but it did happen again. I got out talked many times. <laughs> had, had a chance leaving high school then. I had plenty of opportunities to go to judge. So I went to Fort Scott Community College uh, on a livestock judging scholarship and then ended up going to Kansas State University. Uh, judged up there, was on the reserve champion or reserve national champion team in 1990. Uh, got my degree in animal science. And uh, once I was done being a kid and having fun, it was time to be a, a big, big boy. So I um, had an opportunity to uh, coach livestock judging teams on the community college level for 17 years at Coffeyville Community College and then also at Fort Scott. And um, did that for a while and then went into um, um, professional side of things there and, and the industry side and worked for Sunglow Feeds as a, as a territory manager for, for a while. Got, got a little cold feet on that deal when they got bought out by Cargill. Uh, I was worried, man, we're at the bottom of the totem pole on this thing. And I, I was the bottom of the totem pole at Sunglow at that time uh, because I was the newest hire. I thought, man, we're going to get swallowed up. Uh, and there happened to be a, a, an opening at the NSR at that same time. And I thought I'm a fool not to maybe jump on what had always been um, a desire of mine. I, I, I dreamt when I was coming out of college, uh, I was going to be just like Brian Hines. He had gone to K-State. And matter of fact, he was a field rep for the Yorks when I was at Manhattan. And he'd stop through once in a while and uh, said, come on, let's go. Uh, shot through at midnight and and not give you any head and not, not, no notice we didn't have cell that doesn't sound like him at all does it no nothing like Hines. <laughs> he, he'd stop in at midnight and come pounding on the door and um so what are you doing nothing come on let's go where are we going bear show the national bear show yes sir jump in he had, and we drove all night long he had a cooler of mountain dew set between the seats I think we had to pull over and piss more than we did anything. But, uh, <laughs> we, we drove all night, got up there, and that was the first time I'd ever been to the National Barrister Show. Uh, K-State didn't go participate or judge at, at the National Barrister Show judging contest. So uh, that was always a dream of mine. So then when I got to coach and I took teams up there every year because I wanted those kids to experience what I got to see that first time on that deal. But um, now, I, so anyway, I, I had a, a once in a lifetime opportunity to, to, to do that when Sunglow had got bought out to, to jump on and be a field rep for the, for the NSR. And um, you know, that's not an old man's game. And I wasn't old at that time, but you know, when you're 19, when you're 23, 24, 25, it's a lot easier to run the road uh, being a motel 25 of the 30 days of a week and on the road and stuff like that. Um, and my kids were at a very young stage when I did that. I missed a lot of things the boys did when they were growing up because I was on the road so much, but I loved that deal. And, uh, and then another deal came open to, uh, to, to run the American Royal. And that was a, the major show that was close to my heart uh, and in my backyard. So I had a chance to do that for a little while. Um, and the stress level of that deal, I know we'll talk more about that here after a little while too, but that was an awesome experience and then um, enjoyed very much uh, all of that and uh, taught high school ag education for a little while because uh, I wanted to be a little closer back to home and then this position came open 
And I thought, man, everything I have did in all of my life, all of my jobs, everything I've, I've worked for uh, culminates or could culminate in an opportunity to do something like this. And, uh, you know, you don't get to choose the career path. You don't get to choose the timing of when those are going to hit. And, and I didn't think at 51 years of age that I was going to try to convince my family to load up and move to uh, uh, Peoria, Illinois. I've got my two boys. Uh, Andrew is uh, a junior at K-State. Brandon's a freshman at Butler County Community College in Eldorado, Kansas. Lily's going to be an eighth grader a teenage daughter. And then I've got, we've got our bonus child, Eleanor, uh, who's four and she's going to be in pre-K this year. So I, I, I did not think there was any way in the world that I was going to convince my teenage daughter, Lily, uh, to think about potentially moving to Illinois. Uh, but she did a little thinking and there was a lot of tears shed. I mean, we had some family discussions and she slammed the door a number of different times. And, and I, I know she was wanting to run away and move, but you know, she, she reached out through social media, has met some people. They haven't actually moved yet. I'll be here this year, but my wife, Jennifer, and then both of the girls will move up next summer, but they came up and helped move me in last week to Peoria. And uh, she's excited. We went and toured schools, we toured districts and things like that. I think next year can't come soon enough for her to potentially get up here. So but yeah, you don't get to choose when those things are going to happen, but I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity that, that I've been provided to do, to do all of the things that I've had the chance to do along the way. Um, and it was really, really hard to leave that, that high school teaching position uh, in, in a community that I had grown up in. Uh, I had gone to school there. My kids were going to school there. And, and even though I was just there two years and getting ready to start this third year, the bond you develop with those young kids in a short time frame is tough. I didn't have problems telling uh, other people that I worked with and, and other faculty and, and parents, but telling those kids that, man, I'm not, I'm not going to be here for your next year of school. That, that was hard. That was mm. really, really hard. So. I could imagine my, uh, when I was uh, going into my senior year, my high school ag teacher, yeah. uh, had had taken a position as well and, and kind of like you um you know uh, just something you can't say no to and uh yeah. you know it was tough on on us and and I know he had a hard time with it as well yep. uh, but you know just kind of seeing what that's done for him and his family now I you know I give him a hard time every once in a while still but uh oh, yeah. you, you, you know, have to you have everybody to. honest I mean <laughs> And there's never a good time. I mean, when I left um, Coffeyville Community College and went to Fort Scott, which was where I had gone to judge, I mean, you know, there's always opportunities. And, and that was an opportunity to, to, what, to do what I thought was go to a more rural area uh, that was easier to recruit kids to. It was a smaller community and it was a cleaner community. And then I had an opportunity to go back to Coffeyville because I had administrative support back here at Coffeyville at that time. So there's always reasons even though not everybody understands why. Um, and I'll, I'll never understand fully why everything happened. I don't, I don't get to choose those things. All I know is that, um, that God has a plan. Uh, be willing to step outside of your comfort zone, take that next step and, and do what he offers for you. So, mm. and I'm, you know, I'm living close to Peoria, Illinois now and, and never dreamt I'd be doing that. So. Yeah. That's a, uh, you know, probably something we didn't really even have on our list to talk about, but, you know, something to address too is, is the different paths that, that folks can take 
right. um, you know, to get to the end point or, or to, to the spot where they truthfully uh, want to be in life. And, and uh, you know, it's funny you bring, bring that up, you know, never, never would have thought at 51 years of age, you would be, uh, you know, moving your roots to a new location. But, you know, that's something that my dad did, uh, you know, when he, when he nailed his, his dream job and, and combined some passions together. And uh, I, I tell you what he, I mean, and he didn't do that until later in life too. So that's uh, right. it is crazy what can happen. And, and this deal, I was fortunate as I came into here and, I, and I'm, I'm a CEO to be, I, I, I actually do not start until uh, January one. Um, but the opportunity to come in here um, to work alongside Jack wall, uh, who has did this for so many years. Um, and Jack's been awesome. Uh, he, he'll come back here and he'll bring some paperwork. And, and, and I, right now I, I, I sent her out of the, the, the meeting room back here. So I'm right where all the traffic comes through and all that stuff for the time being, but that's okay because I get to see everybody, but you know, the chance to work alongside the ladies that have been in here, uh, you know, Peggy's been a breed secretary uh, since but she, she, her first job was with the Deer Rock Association when they were by themselves here in Peoria, Illinois. Huh. And so she's been a breed secretary all of her life, started with the Deer Rocks and then now with the uh, uh, CPS, but Bruce Henderson was her first boss. And, you know, she brought that up and mentioned that. I remember Bruce Henderson being the executive secretary of the Duras when I was young growing up. And then, you know, I, and I had had a conversation with somebody the other day. I, I couldn't wait till the field reps came by to, to visit home because that man, I got a day out of school because the field rep was going to come by. And that didn't happen very often when the field rep did come by. I wasn't going to school that day. I was going to stay and listen and learn and ask questions. You betcha. Classes in session on farm there. You don't need That's to be. That's exactly <laughs> right. And, and you, you, you don't have to wear a mask on the farm anymore and all that stuff. And um, so, yeah, it's exactly right. So, so yeah, and that was another thing that really discouraged me. This whole COVID thing had, I did not look forward to going back to teaching school and having to wear a mask all the time. You just can't read a, a young person's expression on their faces either. And, yeah. Uh, you know, you can tell so much when you see that kid first thing in the morning if they've got a smile on their face, they're having a great day, but not every kid comes to school with a smile on their face. Yeah. And, and um, that's a good point. And it's funny. I mean, it's not really funny, but you, even if you have to wear them at a backdrop photo while you're judged mm-hmm. and you're smiling, you can't tell you're smiling. It's, it's like, yeah. you know, what, what's the, what's the role here? So yeah. no, I let, let's div, dig, dig into the CEO and training position. Obviously for those who don't know, um, Brian is now taking position of the CEO of the, certified pedigreed swine there at the beginning of the year. So we just want to ask you what kind of vision you have in this position. And, uh, you know, everybody's anxious to see, you know, what you've, what you've done in the past and they're anxious to see what you can do from here forward. So maybe share that with our audience about where do you see, uh, yourself in the CPS? Well, I, I think, uh, as you look at the grand scheme, I guess I, I look at myself as, uh, uh, the potential voice of of cps um in my position here i work for those nine members that are in that executive committee uh two from each of the breeds uh chesters poland spots and herfers and then an at-large member um so those nine uh members of that executive committee are ultimately um who this ceo position answers to Uh, And those nine people then express the views and opinions of all the thousands 
uh, of breeders that register purebred hogs uh, through CPS. Um, so obviously I, I see our vision is, is one of, obviously we have to have communication. Uh, we have to have uh, clarity. Uh, there has to be understanding of why we do what we do. Um, purity is, is one that I think has, has got to be uh, first and foremost that we continue that. Um, pedigrees, I mean, we, we, we all need to get on the same page from a pedigree standpoint, but I think my vision is, is to continue to grow what this breed has already established or what has already did over the last uh, however many years. Um, and I, I want to continue to open up or try to create new opportunities. And somebody's going to say, well, how are you going to do that? And I said, you know, I, I don't know just yet, uh, but I'm, I promise you my ears are working more than my mouth right now because the more people that I can talk to and listen to, uh, I'm, I'm gathering information. My eyes are constantly uh, uh, monitoring what's happening. My ears are always open. I don't hear quite as good as I used to, but I promise you, I hear what I need to hear. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's something that everybody um, can take note of. You don't always have to just run your mouth. Uh, and I won't do that for a long time. I, I'll sit and be silent, quiet, listen, and, and monitor things as we go. But I, I want to secure the footing that we've got uh, in our threshold within the industry and then, and then make sure every one of our breeds uh, gets promoted properly, um, gets the respect that they deserve. Um, you know, if there's something wrong and we, we won't fix it overnight, but by gosh, we'll listen and try to figure out what we can do going forward. But I think another thing too, our vision is continue to, to do whatever we can for team purebred, uh, to, to play a more active role, to be, uh, uh, whatever we can, because our youth have got to be, um, front and foremost of this whole thing. Um, so whatever we can do to continue to work and, and work alongside our breeders and then also those young people in team purebred. So. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, with, with how, you know, other organizations operate and things like that, where do you see um, CPS's role with team purebred as far as, you know, um, continuing to get those junior members active and showing uh, CPS breed hogs? I think it's going to be, um, I know they've always had uh, good support before, but I mean, with me I, and I had a, one of the first things I did uh, in, in day two, I guess I was here. And again, I just trying to meet everybody and visit, but Christy Smith was, was first and foremost on my list to talk to with, uh, with team purebred. So as I'm working alongside Jack and I know that I've got lots of things to learn about uh, DNA cards and stress tests and pedigrees and, and all the formalities that we do, uh, I want to make sure that I do whatever I can to provide them any help and support uh, as we're going forward. She needs me to come in a day or two early to offer assistance to help them. But the other thing is too, is I think it works as it's a two way street. I think it works both ways. Um, I think we need to do more for them at the same time. I want to allow those kids to do more for us too, because I, I think if you're, if you're a, say a team purebred board member, um, we don't just, you know, I don't want to use those kids just to run boards and open gates at shows. Mm -hmm. uh, I want those kids to be a voice of team purebred. I want those kids to be a voice of CPS. I want those young people to have an opportunity to work alongside, uh, maybe a breeder they never thought they'd have a chance to meet or work alongside with or talk to, you know, if we're having an executive meeting and the kid says, you know what, I think maybe I want to set in on a little bit of that. What's wrong with that? 
give those young people, if they're, if they're going to be the future, they need to get right in the middle of what's going on and say, okay, that is what I want to do. I want to be a future leader of the Poland China breed. That way I can have a voice. I, I, want, I want to emulate what a Jerry Masters or what a Ray Rice do. Uh, and I want to have that same impact on the breed that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that every kid, I think every kid looks at that. Yeah, they, they want to be a team uh, purebred board member. Maybe they want to win one of those shows, but I don't know that they truly understand the impact they could potentially have within CPS, within the industry. Uh, but I think we just, we've got to continue to try to help them uh, as much as they help us. Well, what you said, not- what you said there at the end couldn't be more true because I didn't realize that until it was almost too late. I was almost yeah. graduating college and, and starting the, you know, the big boy life, as they say. And you study those members who were in Team Purebred and what they're doing now. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's the kickstart to putting yourself out there, maybe stepping outside of your comfort zone, talking to the people you never thought you'd have a chance to. Uh, and luckily, Corey and I have this podcast to make up for that. But uh, <laughs> but that those boards are so so crucial in that regard because you're not just running a board at the show although that's what majority of people see what right. they what they see in in years later is they're grabbing the mic to sort that show in a couple years that's or right. they're making those huge decisions to make sure purebred hogs are still pure so on yeah. and so forth i mean it, it's really really neat to see how those kids progress out through their their career and from my perspective i, I weren't wasn't on those boards but it makes you think, man, if I was, where, where could I be compared to where I've been? So, yeah. um, what, what, what could I be doing? I mean, it, it's just one of those deals that, yeah. And that's an important role. Those kids set out in that deal. I remember when I was with, um, with NSR and work alongside those kids, it would frustrate me. I mean, I, I needed to make sure if I was asking them to do something, I need to make sure I was doing the same thing, working just as hard, if not harder, uh, if I'm sitting there on my phone uh, going through messages and all that stuff, I couldn't yell at another kid, hey, get out of that corner and get off your phone while well, I'm doing the same dang thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I took that and understood that, okay, I need to be the one that they want to emulate. And I want those board members to, to understand, and, and we all should want those young people to understand that there's a next generation that's watching them in terms of what they're doing. So it can only get better and better and better mm-hmm. if we continue to have those very best kids involved. In I've talked, I've talked to several folks about the roles of board members, uh, you know, across species even. And, uh, you know, I think one of the big things that maybe gets missed is that, you know, if, if you're applying uh, to, to get a board member role, uh, you need to realize that it's it's more than just throwing something on your resume, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to help you get a job in the future. It, it's it's you know gain, gaining those experiences that you're talking about, Brian. Uh, you know, and it's it's so much bigger than than the application or or the the nice collared button down shirt you get to wear with the logo on the left side. It's 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 a lot bigger than that. And then, yeah. and I would encourage any kid listening uh, that's interested in applying for a board that you you know you sit back and think about really what your role is and um, you know, before you make that decision and, and as you go through the process, understand that um, like Brian said, there's, there's uh, two generations of folks that are going to be watching every move you make. And that's uh, the folks younger than you and the folks older than you. So. That's right. And it's not what, you know, it's not always what, you know, but who, you know, mm-hmm. and the chance to meet up with some of those people. I got a, uh, Oh, I'm trying to find a message that I got the other day said, uh, 
from a from a gentleman in in Wisconsin said I watched the Iowa State show uh, and wanted to tell you that I thought what you talked about the trends at the end of the market Grand Drive has given his son hope for the future. Um, he says we had we had very good pigs this year, but always got beat by one that was extreme one way or the other. And he says, but you gave that kid some optimism to continue to do what he wants to do. And I think you know not every kid's going to win a show, and not that that kid that wins a show may not be the one that's a trendsetter in what we're doing. But the kid that understands what his core values are, the kid that understands that he has a path and he wants to stay on that path and do whatever he's going to do that kid's the one that could change the generation and change the future for what, uh, for what our purebred hogs are. No doubt. Well, um, you know, I, I think we talked a little bit off air here about, uh, just, just some collaborative effort and, and discussion that you guys are having across, uh, you know, the different, uh, associations. And, and I think that's something that there's so many people in our, in, in this show pig business and in the, in the swine industry in general, um, that love to see collaboration. And I know that you're sure. a big guy on making sure that communication is, is uh, being held at a high standard. And uh, with that being said, um, you know, we've asked some, some, some of these questions to folks before and, and uh, feel free to answer however you'd like here. But um, being a past NSR employee, which I'm sure you've gotten this question a lot, Brian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know where you're going. And, and now you're at the CPS. Um, do you see there being advantages uh, to those organizations either merging or just collaborating even more in the future? Yeah, and, and yes and no. I mean, it just depends on how you look at it. I mean, you don't ever want uh, a little guy or somebody smaller to get swallowed up or ate up. Uh, you, you, you bring up a very key word, collaboration. Um, you know, get some, get some things that are similar. Um, yeah, we've, we've actually got that meeting tomorrow in West Lafayette. Uh, to discuss the potential of pedigrees looking similar or being very, very similar. They look, they look similar the way it is, but making the backside of those systems uh, similar to where it's easier for shows to, to pull up some different things. And, and we've got a lot of work to do on that deal. But, you know, I think that, that right there is a start, uh, getting that put together. And um, uh, it could provide more convenience because, you know, if, if a kid's got a, a Berkshire hog and a spotted hog and a Duroc hog, you never wanted to have to leave something home because that, that breed wasn't represented at that show. So yeah, you increase your numbers, but at the same time, I, you know, when, when these things first started, they, they were good because you had a chance to, to in, in, interact with new families that maybe you'd never met before. Uh, you enjoyed the small family atmosphere. Um, I don't know that we need to get too large because then all of a sudden you're hanging out in your comfort zone. You're hanging out with your same cliques that you always hang out with or your, your teams or your camps. And you're not, I think we restrict ourselves a little bit too, if we get that thing too big, because then you don't step out and meet somebody new once in a while. Um, and I know that's one thing that CPS is always, uh, and I've enjoyed watching when I, when you go to the CPS summer type conference, it's a little bit smaller than what say a world pork expo is. It's just ginormous. And the family atmosphere of what uh, what that Springfield, Illinois event always brought uh, was first and foremost for so many of those folks on that deal. So, um, yeah, you know, time will tell on that thing. Right now, I mean, my job is to make sure that um, as, as I move forward, we'll, we'll be, I mean, together with Jack, our job right now uh, is to make sure that our breeds are, are, are financially stable. Um, are grounded, understand what our purpose is, and, and work for those breeders or those associations. Yeah. 
but who knows what the future could hold. I mean, um, you know, cattle, I, I, don't, I don't know, purebred hogs. The key thing is, is we want to always ensure that there's purebred livestock first and mm. foremost. If we don't have, then none of us have these shows. Yep. Well, uh, evidently nobody can get a crystal ball when they uh, get yep. a title. Yeah, that would be nice to have one, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, but no, that's uh, that's a good, it's a good take. It's an interesting one as well. Uh, it, you know, everybody's got their their opinions on this thing, but I think the most important part, like we talked about, is just a collaborative effort to to understand that we all are working towards a similar goal. Right. And, and I just another thing, you know, when I was working or when we were back in Kansas, our eastern Kansas swine show series and you guys can spread some or, or give me a little more light maybe on Ohio and some of that stuff. I know Indiana does it, uh, but the jackpot show circuit has just grown immensely. Mm -hmm. um, and I got a call from a gentleman in Arkansas the other day. They've had lights out numbers of five to six hundred numbers at, at every show they have. And they're potentially looking at it. Don't know for sure whether it's going to happen. They're looking at potentially going to uh, a pedigreed um, show for the purebred hogs. And think about what that would do for those pedigreed breeders uh, in that area in terms of uh, true. How many, how many pedigreed hogs don't go to a show right now because they have to show against a, a Hampshire marked hog or a, a Chester appearing bear, uh, mm -hmm. things like that. So those breeders can't sell them purebred hogs because they know they're gonna get beat by, by maybe those, those hybrids or whatever. When we first did that in Kansas, our very first year requiring pedigrees um, on the purebred hogs, we had as many purebred hogs as we did crossbred hogs the very first year. Mm -hmm. And it created more opportunities for all of those breeders of those purebred hogs. I talked to a gentleman the other day in Nebraska that runs um, Herefords, Polands, one other breed and crosses and he's selling his crossbred hogs because he's not grounded enough in the crossbred deal people don't come to him to buy crossbred hogs they come to him to buy those breed hogs so he he finally figured out man i, I better sell the crosses and get more of the pures because that's where my demand is mm. and, and i think that could be a, a similar opportunity uh for so many people and i don't know that everybody has to have three four five breeds at once uh, it's okay to, to master that one, uh, but I do know that there are a lot of families that when they go pig shopping, if they can buy a Burke, Chester, Spot, and Duroc at the same place, hey, my shopping spree's done. Yeah, well, I, I don't have to and it's, else. it's interesting, too, for a lot of the families I work with, you know, our, our mindset is, well, you know, let's do a quote-unquote off-breed. You know, they call yep. them the off-breeds or whatever. Yep, yep, you know, yep. you get you one of those that maybe only have five in a class, Right. Well, heck, there's your better chances or better odds anyway at, at right. grabbing a banner and getting in the grand drive. You know, for a nine-year-old, that's putting the hook Perfect. in the mouth and reeling it in. You know, that's that's what we as breeders love to see, rather whatever breed it is. Uh, yeah. You know, you get them in there, you win a banner, and, man, it's awesome. As, and what's their confidence all of a sudden, man, you bet. they can't get back in the ring quick enough. You bet. And I think uh, to answer your question about Ohio too, is uh, we've got the winter circuit, which is run separately, uh, separate entities from our, our summer circuit. Uh, first couple shows in the summer deal, uh, they're a little lenient on, you know, hey, I understand you don't have them yet. It's right. it's May, you know, it's getting crazy. Uh, and then as they go on, they've got to be papered. And, and it's true that you see a lot of purebred hogs, good quality purebred hogs, not just uh just animals and uh it's really fun to see because some of those things are, are are beating the crosses uh when it comes yeah. down to it 
And uh, I'm glad to hear that um, down south in Arkansas, Nebraska, like you're saying there, because it's interesting. You know, I was in Iowa this past week and and their breeders have been phenomenal. Um, uh, They they gathered that that set of breeders there in the state of Iowa gathered twenty eight thousand five hundred dollars of money that was paid out to those purebred hogs that weekend. And uh, in that guilt show, and a perfect example, you know, whatever breed it was, but it happened to be Landry's, $150 extra premium to the grand, $100 to the reserve, and there were three Landry's guilts. Two of those three kids, 66% of them walked out of there with an extra premium. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, I, if I'm looking at that deal and I've got a kid that says, well, dad, I want to make money. We're, we're not ever going to make money doing this deal. I mean, not a lot. Uh, but we do gain a lot of experiences. But if you got a kid that wants to walk out of there with a hundred dollar bill at the end of the day, gather one of those Landry skills. You got a you got a better yep. opportunity, a better chance to do it. Yeah. Yep. So, and then yep. look at look at the growth of what the Hereford dogs have did. Oh my! Uh, most popular breed in America. Oh, they are rapidly growing. <laughs> yeah. Like crazy. Uh, and, and I had the opportunity to do the purebred guilts at OYE last year, uh, about the last livestock show before COVID come in and screwed this whole world up. Um, that set of Hereford gilts that I had the chance to judge down there, uh, that, that was the very best class of, of Hereford gilts I've ever judged. And I hope to gotta, I see them continue to get that much. Better. I may, uh, I may show my cards here before I actually really get started into seriously breeding hogs, but, uh, my fiance and helped me hours and hours to put on a show here in Ohio. And it was Sunday we were dead tired after that show and we sat down at a bar and had a couple of beers and ha- had dinner and we were both kind of tired, didn't talk much. And she looked up at me and said, you know, what would be fun. We ought to start raising Hereford hogs. Or go. she said Herefords. I said, yeah, cattle. That'd be cool. Uh-uh. Hogs. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hey, she's in yeah. too. And I said, you know what? I, I, if you're wanting to raise hogs, honey, we'll do it, but they're not going to be Herefords. They're going to be the Herefords. They're, they're going to be top of the line Herefords here. Kirk's Herfs, look out. State. You, you look yeah. at what Hereford, Hereford hogs and mini Hereford cattle yeah. have <laughs> both been on the, on the grow. You bet. <laughs> well, and it's funny too. You said, uh, you know, breeders uh, now have an, an outlet in these jackpot shows for those pedigreed, uh, pedigreed purebreds. And it's funny because up, up in the Midwest, we love to send our all white crosses down south. And yeah. those those solid belted ones down south because uh, it's a little tough to sell an all white one, uh, you know, for if they're sticking them in that crossbred division. Uh, but it's funny to to see that cross cross examination of you know you're getting beat by those belted ones that they're calling hamps or the all white ones they're calling yorks or what have you, and uh, you know it can be frustrating if you got one that's sitting there with the paper and um, yeah, I see both sides, but. Yeah. And, and ultimately what it does, and, and I, I, I mean, I pat all these breeders on the back. Uh, they just simply have to stick their nose to the grindstone and work a little bit harder. And, and the good thing now, like you talk about those solid white crosses, at least we have light crosses and dark crosses to work right. with. But, you know, I think back to when we showed sheep growing up, uh, we, we always had that butt wolf that we would cart out or nip out and we'd fix that lamb's rump or, or tail set. Uh, by leaving extra wool in those particular areas. The day they went to slick shear and market lambs, those club lamb breeders had one choice, and that was to simply make sheep better. Mm, better. Yep. Um, you, you can run pedigreed hogs, or if you simply want to raise crossbred hogs, whatever. 
but you can be equally as competitive in any of these pure breeds as you want. It just depends on how hard you want to work. Uh, if, you're, if you're just going to breed them off of pictures, then you probably better go find you an office job. <laughs> uh, but if you don't mind jumping in the truck, putting the miles in, making some phone calls, um, and at times being just a little belligerent to others because you, you ask too many questions, uh, you're going to be successful. But if you're going to step back and let somebody else tell you how to do it, uh, then go ahead and get out because you're, you're not going to be successful. I, I've had a chance so far to make three or four boar studs, and, and I stopped by uh, – or not boar studs, but three or four different farm operations. And I stopped by uh, Armstrong's the other day and saw spotted boars and Chester boars and their boar battery there. Holy cow. I mean, it made me want to go out and buy a Chester and a spot gilt to breed to one of those boars because mm. they were that good. We're going to take a quick break in the action here because Jace Tarbell, you've been waiting for this for quite some time. You're welcome. Are you ready to take your marketing and design to the next level? Tarbell Marketing and Design is a livestock-savvy marketing agency that will get you thinking out of the box. Every first-time customer can get 15% off if you mention Stock Talk Podcast. Visit ChooseTMD.com today. The difference is in the details. Now, I do want to ask this kind of left-field question, but... Uh, of all your uh, all your experiences across all your employment, and you you know you've got a whole whole another whole another one to jump into. What is the most interesting farm? It can be because of a story, it could be because of the facilities or uh, animal you saw. But which facility or visit? I want to say just visit stands out to you that you'll never forget. <laughs> oh, there's a bunch of those uh, Scott belts, Gravit, Arkansas. And if you've never been to Scott's, um, you better have a pretty tough stomach to go in there. I mean, it's, it's setting down the bottom and there's a great big, uh, 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 lagoon setting at the bottom. And I haven't been by there in quite a while, but, uh, uh, when I was out there and, and the water was up on that lagoon, almost to the edge of those sheds. And, and, uh, he told me a story about a young kid that uh, was at Connor state college when the college was going there and work out. And, uh, kid was from Louisiana. I forget his name. He'll probably call me and text me after he hears his story, but he was on that team for Connors and some of those kids made him a bet that he wouldn't swim across that lagoon no. and offered him so much money. He jumped in the lagoon and swam across. And then he had to jump in that college van to ride back to oh, Warner, Oklahoma. Um, but yeah, that, 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 that's just the story that stuck <laughs> in my mind and one I'll never forget. And, uh, Cause that thing was nasty and you know what lagoons can be like. And that thing was nasty. It's a, uh, no wonder he didn't pass out from the fumes down in there. Yeah. Oh, the, uh, the day I was at Jesse Heimer's and saw the boar called uh, thunderstruck and, um, Earl Kane and his wife were sitting in the truck and, uh, were refused, uh, refused to leave until they loaded that boar to go back to uh, Cheriton, Iowa. That was kind of a neat deal. Knowing that I had a, a hand in, and helping that board get to them and then what he did uh, for mm. that deal. Um, I tell you what, this, this uh, yesterday morning, we're leaving out of Des Moines, Iowa, and, and not one of my breeds, but uh, a good friend of mine, I wanted to go by there, but I went by Bryce Conover's. And the pictures that I took of that storm that went through Iowa, mm. my, my God, I mean, 10 laying out in, sh in fields and, and corn crops, not just laid flat, gone. I mean, that whole field of corn just gone. Mm. Uh, I wished I could show you those pictures, but that thing right there would flat open your eyes. Um, 
just the, the, the sheer numbers at some of those places you go to. Uh, first time that I ever got to go to, to Rory Downs and see all the alley cats and, and different things like that that were running around. That was a neat experience. And uh, I, there's a whole bunch of them that you could go on and, oh, on, yeah. and on and talk about forever. Maybe that's another podcast. If, if you allow me time to sit and put all those things together, <laughs> that'd be another whole show. Let's oh, schedule good. it. We can do it. Yeah. Now, speaking yeah. of Iowa, uh, you just uh, kind of popping off all kind of random questions here, but you just, we, before we got on the air, you kind of said it, you sorted probably the one of the last shows you did in, so. in, in, in quite some time. And, uh, and that was the, the Iowa state fair. So how did that feel to maybe step out of that ring and think, you know, it may be a little bit before I get to do this again. Yeah, that was tough. And um, if you, if you've ever watched me judge a show, you know, at the end of the show, I'm, I'm, I'm one that gets pretty emotional and I try not to be, but by God, when you're, when you're fully invested in those things, like, like you should be from a mental standpoint and a physical standpoint, I don't think people truly understand just the, the mental wear and tear. Um, I, I physically, I'm, I'm, I'm nowhere close to being physically fit, but I can get through those things. There's enough Tylenol to get you through those things, but but it's, it's the mental side of things that just wears and wears and wears on you. And then at the end of the day, to see that kid, uh, just the, the excitement on their face when you pick them to win a show, how do you, how do you not get emotional and excited uh, for a kid that did that? But yeah, sitting there going through that deal thinking, okay, because I don't know, I, I hope to do this job for another 20, 25 years. And if that's the case, I'll be 70, 75 years old when I'm done. I don't know that I'll physically be able to judge another show so to sit back and think yeah that was my last show ever um yeah it, it was tough I mean emotionally midway through that deal it, it kind of ate on me a little bit but at the same time I knew that I had a job that I had to finish and, and I was going to do it and I got to go out and I, I did something that, I mean if you run a, a really good bar and a really good guild at me I use that bar every day of the week and what did I do at my very last show I used the guilt to beat two really good bears and, and I'll, I'll live with that the rest of my life. And I think I made a comment. I love that belted guilt. And I, I, man, if you, you, you guys have listened to me and I, I bury my head and all I study is feet and legs, feet and legs and feet and legs. And that thing could go all day long. Her neck came out of the top of her show. I'll never forget. I've got pictures. I've already taken pictures. I'll never forget what that guilt looked like. And, and the two bears that were reserved and third overall, I'll never forget them too, because the guilt could have gone first or third. And I, I was going to lay my, my, uh, my beliefs on what I believed in. And that skeleton build flexibility, function, pliability, all those things that tie together. Uh, Cause I'm a firm believer that a feed bucket can fix so many of those other things uh, on that particular deal. But yeah, going out, I, I got, if that's the last one I ever do, I went out with a, with a elite set of hogs and I went out feeling good knowing that I did it my way. And, um, I, I, I told my executive committee, I said, I think that's why a lot of you guys hired me is you want me to be done judging shows. So I'm sure <laughs> half the world or half this uh, show pig industry jumped for joy when they heard I took this job oh, and won't be judging funny. anymore because they don't ever have to listen to me preach anymore. <laughs> now, so, will they let you jump in other species rings? Probably not. <laughs> uh, I'll stay. You know, my, my other love now is, is this chicken thing. Um, oh, yeah. I, I had my kids and, and we, we got involved feeding some of these chickens and we didn't do quite what we had hoped to do at, at our little interstate fair, but we did have the reserve champion uh, pin of chicken broilers. And then we had the third overall pin of broilers. And 
you know, I'm okay. If I don't ever judge another livestock show, we'll start feeding more chickens and doing more work. With now, them. if you're getting into them fancies, we know a guy, uh, last name Kennedy, that, that, uh-huh. that. <laughs> I haven't quite got into those fancy ones yet. I'm not at that level, but I bet old BK can fix me up one day. That's exactly Yeah. That. There you go. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Oh man. Well, uh, let's dive into another part of your life that, you know, you talked about earlier of, of, of running the Royal, um, you know, we've, we've had, we've been fortunate to talk to several folks that have run some major stock shows, uh, across the country. And, um, you know, what was it like running that major? And obviously that one's got a ton of changes coming with this new facility and everything. Um, but what was it like to run that show and, and maybe some memorable stories along the way? Oh, it, it was very, very neat. It was one of those deals. I, I would have loved to stay on to watch that thing go into that new facility, but it just was one of those things. It was time for me to do something different. But uh, I remember showing at the American Royal. I remember showing on the bottom level and the cattle were on the upper level and you'd have all this, all this stuff leaking from up above. You thought, well, somebody left the hose on or some, maybe somebody spilled a Hell, it wasn't water. It was a cow pissing up there that was running <laughs> down that pole on the, on the hogs down below. And, um, so, so thinking back to what that thing looked like and even going back beyond that and looking at the history and, and all the cattle that were brought in by railroad through that deal and, and then to look at the fire that destroyed those stockyards and then knowing I had a chance to, to work down there with uh, uh, the American Royal and to know that the Kansas City Royals baseball team was named after what happened down there with the American Royal and all that stuff, the history and tradition and all that. Uh, that was awesome. I was, I was awestruck when I started to learn all of that stuff. Um, the, the, the job itself taught me a lot. Um, you, that's not a job you want to procrastinate in. If you have an opportunity to get something done two to three months before that thing, you need to do it. Uh, you know, we all hear about that. You talk about the calm before the storm. I truly found out what the calm before the storm was because when that thing starts, and mind you, we do that first weekend of all those junior animals uh, and everybody thinks, well, you got through that deal, piece of cake. You got to turn that building over, get all that bedding out, come back in and clean it, rebed it and all that stuff. And you're doing it with temporary employment um, that may say, you know what? I didn't like what I did yesterday. I'm not going to show up and go draw a paycheck today. They didn't have to come. If they wanted money, they'd come work, but tearing all those horse stalls down and all that stuff, it was, you know, I, I probably slept less during that two week time frame than I ever did. And then I slept more that week after <laughs> uh, just cause you hit a wall. Yeah. Uh, but I mean that thing, and they even asked me one time, why do you leave here at, uh, at midnight and then come back at three or four in the morning? And, you know, my response to them, I says, well, you know, I said, uh, just because that, that Hereford show says it starts at eight o'clock doesn't mean they're going to roll in the building at seven 30 in the morning. Uh, you got to go through and make sure all that trash is out of the way. Do you have enough electricity? And that was one thing that was so stressful about the electricity situation there. You couldn't take your blow dryer and plug it into those blower. You had to have a special pigtail uh, that would go into those deals. And then there's only so many outlets in that deal. So we'd have to wire some extra electricity in that deal. And then you have to deal with the, with the guy that went two aisles over and dug his cords underneath everybody else's bedding and took somebody else's outlet and run it back through. So you'd have to deal with those breeders that were upset with each other. It was, it was a highly stressful deal. And probably the one thing that hit me the hardest, you know, we all, we all live and, and die with our cell phones anymore. 
I'm sitting there and I always keep my cell phone on. I don't ever silent it or mute it. And uh, I get a text at about, I don't remember exactly. I tried to find that earlier. I thought I still had it, but I didn't I get a text at about two o'clock in the morning uh, from a gentleman in Oklahoma that I knew fairly well. Um, I, knew, I knew his family and he and his daughters sent me a text and his two daughters with him said, well, uh, we were out there at the pig barn. Um, there's all these kids that have got one pig per pen and there are no pens left in the hog barn. And mind you, we still had till about 10 o'clock in the morning uh, to check in hogs the next morning. And I get this text from this guy that says, well, there's no pig pens. We've already got our motel reservation. I and my daughters or I and my girls are going to go to the motel. We're going to get a good night's sleep. We're going to leave early in the morning, go back to home uh, and not show at what would have been their first American Royal. Mm. And my, I hear my phone beep and where I screwed up was I looked at it. I don't say screw. I shouldn't have said screw up, but I looked at it and just thought, okay, well, what's wrong? And I looked at that deal and somebody says, well, why didn't you go back to bed? And I go, how in the world can you go back to bed when you just had a guy text you that he and his girls drove all that way from Oklahoma to come show there's no pig pens. They're going to turn around and go home without showing. They had already paid their entry fees and all that. And I wasn't going to do that. So I went out and tried to figure out, okay, how am I going to make this happen? Well, the first thing we did when those people started showing up in the morning, we started doubling pigs up because we knew we had other pigs in. But I got a hold of our staff and we started putting up horse stalls, hmm. which aren't ideal, but at least there was a place that they could go to put those pigs in. Uh, so again, where there's a will, there's a way. And we found a way to get them in. But uh, that I, I worked for every one of those people that paid that entry fee to come and I was going to do whatever I could. There was no way I was going to go back to bed until I solved that situation. The next but you probably wouldn't have got much sleep anyway. Maybe no, I, 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 I couldn't fall back <laughs> to sleep. I was so upset and disappointed in that deal. Hmm. Yep. Wow. That's uh, yeah. that, that event is one that, you know, it's uh, obviously in the Midwest, we got two majors pretty much. And that's, you know, other than your own state fair, but it, mm -hmm. it's the North American and, and it's the Royal mm -hmm. uh, and uh, definitely uh, an interesting part of your life that, uh, you know, I, I think uh, certainly aids your ability is in your new role. Here, yeah. uh, man, it, it's just interesting to think about all those steps that you took throughout your career um, that that have led to this final. Um, I won't say final because you never know where life's going to yeah. take you, but but to this role now um, that you've had those experiences moving forward. So uh, really, I hope it's a, I hope it's a final destination stuff. <laughs> too old to be moving and all that stuff again. But you know, at the raw to the the quality that's associated with that deal and to watch what that sheep and goat show had did it had gotten so low in terms of numbers and participation. Now you go back here and I mean, that upper deck is just full of, of lambs and goats that are showing in that thing. And the steer show is just second to none. And uh, as elite as you can make it, but uh, the growth of the hog deal and, and we added that guilt show and, and the sale for a short time. And I don't think they're doing the sale anymore, but that was fun to kind of to work with some of that stuff, but just to see the growth. And it, it's just one of those things. If you would listen, and that's the same thing I talked about earlier. I tried to go into that deal and open my ears and listen and, and, and make changes that people wanted to see. Uh, and that's the same approach that I think will serve me well here is I, I have the ability to listen. Um, I don't think I'm too arrogant to, to, to not listen to anybody that will tell me what to do uh, and understand what our priorities are and make this thing grow mm -hmm. and get better, I hope. 
Well, Corey, uh, we'll jump into a segment we like to call The Breakdown. Brought to you by Brad Howe for Kokomo, Indiana. Guys, it's that time to surprise your wife or your husband. Go get you a new vehicle at Brad Howe Ford. They're going to put you in the right direction with their award-winning customer service right there in Kokomo, Indiana. Brad Howe Ford is our sponsor. Thank you, Brad Howe Ford, for sponsoring The Breakdown. So we're going to dive in a little deeper. I know we touched on it a little bit already, uh, but sorting the big shows. You know, state fair and up is what I'm going to call it. But what mindset and physical expectations do you have to go through to prepare yourself for those shows and going through the hundreds or maybe thousands of animals? And then I'll top that off with what do you tell those youngsters who are dying to get in that ring? Yeah. Um, like we talked about a little bit earlier, it's a mental deal. I think the mental wear of it um, is tougher than the physical side of things. The physical side, uh, at the end of the day, once you get up, your feet, you're fine. But mentally, you're setting or you're replaying those classes back through your head. Uh, you, you can only do that so long. When it's done, you got to move. You got to go. You can't think, man, I screwed that deal up. I wish I'd have used that barrel that I put third or fourth, or I screwed up that pair of barrels that were seventh and eighth. You just got to be ready to roll um, and, and on the go. The, probably my, my toughest shows that I did. I, I, and I'm one of those, when I, when I started doing those Southwest shows, I, it was a single judge system. And uh, I liked it that way. I, I love everybody that I've worked with and judged a show with at the same time on a single judge system, there's never any compromise. You can't point your finger at the end of the day. You know, if I'm the one that judged the bears at San Antonio and you didn't like the way they were placed, you had one person to pick a bone with. Well, now it's too easy. Well, that, you know, for one judge, well, that's what the other guy wanted to do. So that's what I had to roll with. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that happens, but at the end of the day, how many times have you seen, how many times you go to show that the, the champion barrack comes off of one ring and the reserve champion barrack comes off of the other? Mm. And in my opinion, too many times, all that is is a compromise. Well, that judge got his way. We're going to let that judge have his way. And that way we're both happy when we walk out of that. That's not the reason we do these things. I mean, you want the best two hogs to win. And if they can agree together uh, on that deal, then, then so be it. But does it happen all the time like that? I don't know. You be the judge on that thing. But I liked it when it was a one-judge system. And and I'll never forget. And, and I was a dead gum fool because Al Schminky had did it. And I thought, well, anything Schminky can do it, I can do that. <laughs> I, uh, I did the bars at Houston. And got done that night. And one of my students at that time, a young man that's kind of hitting a, a home run down in Texas right now, is a young man by the name of Josh Campbell uh, that's raising a bunch of show pigs on the side and doing some feed stuff and uh, um, doing a great job, he and his, his wife, Landy, and their girls. But uh, he went with, he, I think he went with me or met me there, one of the two. But we got done judging Barrows at Houston that night. Uh, he drove the car, drove all night long, got to Oklahoma City to start judging the bears at 7.30 the next morning. So we just did four days, I think, in Houston, drove all night, and then had three days to do Oklahoma City. Hmm. I will tell you, because we did peers and then peers on the second day, a few crosses, and then crosses on that last day. That was the most physically uh, worn out I've ever been in my life. 
and emotionally, I, I just drank. I mean, I just, I had hit a wall. Um, and I think, you know, midway through that third day, I, I had to take a little break just to kind of collect my thoughts again. But I thought, you know, I can do this thing. I'm going to be fine. And physically, I was good. But just mentally, if, if you're truly invested in that class, and I, I'll never forget, Mike Watson asked me one time, I think I was judging uh, purebred gilts at, at Louisville. And he goes, how do you, how do you talk that hog before it even gets out of the pen? And I turned to Mike and I said, Mike, I said, if I'm doing the job I'm supposed to be doing, I don't even need to see the hogs because if I thoroughly look at every animal, like it needs to be looked at, I should be able to talk that animal before it even gets out of the pen. So, I mean, I watch a lot of these judges have to wait for that animal to get out of the ring to know, well, who did I put fifth? <laughs> you got to put everything you've got into that deal. And I knew exactly what I had in each of those slots. And, and if you start doing that, then you start thinking, wow, mentally that is a drink. Um, but that, that's tough. And, uh, um, I never wanted, and this is one thing I put on here. So a tip to those young kids is, and, and I had the chance to, to do a show in Arkansas the other day with my boy, Andrew, uh, who's a junior at K-State. He judged it. Uh, I had to speak at our graduation that morning. So I didn't get there till a little bit later. Uh, but all I want to do is offer him tips. If you've got a great one, and don't drive that thing too long. Throw him in the first pin. And, and Doc Hines was one that told me, he says, why are you going to let everybody else, why do you, why do you start bottom up? And he goes, you got a chance of that first place, however, that really good one, locking up, getting hurt, twisting a leg, whatever it might be. He says, throw him in that first pin and put him there and leave him alone and don't ever drive him again. And uh, I learned a lot from that deal. The one thing I wanted to express to Andrew that day he did it. He, he, he did a very good job. He moved through those head, uh, 500 some head in a very timely fashion, but towards the end of the day, he was starting to slow down because his feet were getting sore and getting tired. I said, now, one thing you need to remember is this kid that's coming in the very last class. And that's the only pig he brought and you're tired and you're not moving around as much. And you're not giving them all the same look you did the first class of the day. Just remember that every one of these kids that showed today paid the exact same entry fee to get the exact same opinion mm -hmm. of, of what they brought to you. I love and that. And I said, you have to understand just because you played the first quarter really good, you got to play the fourth quarter just as good, just as fast, and just as furious. And and I think that's one thing we all get tired. You know what you've got all night and the rest of the next day to sleep and get caught up in war and, and, you and, bet. and rested. That kid in the last class deserves the same kind of respect and look and admiration that the kid in the first class got. I love that. One of the things yeah. that I'll never forget, uh, you know, being under Dan Hogue for, for two years, that I, I just stuck with me, and I always wear khakis and a button. We talked about that last week. It's just what I do. It's what I think I need to look like. Uh, but one of the things that Dan said that I'll never forget is never drink or eat while you're sorting animals. Yeah. And And there's one, the biggest reason is if you're, eating a sandwich in class five, did you have the same amount of focus in yeah. class four and six? Yeah. And you're, is, are you 100% invested in class five if that's where you decided to take lunch and you didn't say, hey, let's take a five-minute break, get a sandwich in, and then and let's restart. So yeah. I never even take a water bottle in the ring with me. Again, just little things. It's my opinion, uh, and this is kind of the way I, I, I sort shows. But uh, that's one of the things that's really stuck with me. It's like, man, I, something I never thought about. Yeah. Uh, and find out the hard way, uh, putting that really good one, letting them yeah. drive for 20 minutes and 
you got to make your make make yourself look uh, less dumb <laughs> when you talk. Yep. So, and, and the other thing, if you if you if you're drinking a water or a Mountain Dew all day, then you got to go take a bathroom break. Yep. Uh, and, and I'm one, and I had I remember uh, I think the first time, maybe the only time I did the Colorado State Fair. And that was a no, the first year I did the Colorado State Fair. I was talking to a gentleman, a, a former classmate of mine at K State, and I said, "Well, what what did everybody think?" And they said, well, you did a great job before lunch. And then you took a lunch break and came back and we're kind of on a different page and, mm. and lost a few people. So most of the time, if I had my preference, I'd tell them I'd just soon roll. Yep. Uh, we'll eat a big meal and it's all said and done. Yep. I, um, I'd rather not take a break and just kind of keep rolling. Now you talk about Trevor, you, you wear khakis and, and a nice shirt and tuck it in all the time you still have a similar physique to what you did when you were in college. I don't have the same when I was in college. So these, these Magellan shirts that have come out have become my new favorite friend because I, I feel like I can judge in them and, and uh, still look somewhat professional, not as professional as I need to. Well, and what we talked about last week was you're a prime example. You people, when they say, okay, Brian Anderson sorting our show, they don't give a crap if you wear jeans, tennis shoe, and a ball cap. You're going to sort them the way you like them. Yeah. But for Corey and I's age and maybe a little younger, we, we're yeah. still – there are people still critiquing us, still figuring out what, what our what our style is. Now, like yeah. I said, if you if you pull in there, we're not going to think twice because you're going to sort them. You've been doing it for years. It's the way yeah. – you know, whatever, whatever. That's just my opinion. That's probably how I always do it. But another thing I'll pull out of, of this breakdown is something I've always said – and I tell to all of my families or whatever, you can tell a lot about a judge depending on where his eyes are. Yeah. And that when that's... that when that animal walks into the ring, if he's truly sorting the animal, and that, this is different in showmanship, but if it's a market show, breeding show, if they're looking at the animal, when that thing hits the ring, then he's in. He's ready yep. to roll. But if he's kind of crowd surfing of what's pulling it or what's driving it, then then we're in trouble. Bad deal. Yeah, that's another thing I got here. Bury your head. Yep, that was one thing I've got on here to to tell the next ones. Uh, you know, have a conviction for what you believe in, and bury your head because at the end of the day, the only opinion that matters is the one you give. And and I'd like to think that I, I well, I know I, I I talk about this a lot. I've got lots of friends. Um, I've got five thousand plus, or I guess I've got five thousand friends on Facebook. Did you know you could only have? Yeah, you can't add anybody friends. else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I need to get a second account or something because a lot of people I'm not able to be friends with because I got too many. But I hope I have as many friends at the end of the day as I do when I start the day. And the way you'll gain friends and the way you'll keep your friends is if you bury your head and judge lifestyle. Yep. If I try to to uh, to judge both of you and I use um, Trevor all day long and Corey ends up being second all day long, Corey's got a chance to, to not be my friend, but if I use the best hog all day long and put the worst hog down, then I hope that if they're truly my friend, they'll respect the decisions and the opinions that I did. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not going to lie. It took me a while to kind of figure that deal out, but I will tell you that once I figured that out and once I buried my head and once I did what I wanted to do, I had more fun judging livestock shows than I've ever had in my life. You bet. It's kind of like, you know, the easiest way to not tell a lie is to always tell the truth. Yeah. And the yeah. easiest way to do a good job sorting them is to always use the best one. Always do it your way. <laughs> always do it It comes right. down to, it's pretty simple, but 
No, that's that's awesome, awesome content, and I, and I hope some of those young evaluators or really any age are, are listening to what Brian just said because uh, it's true, and it's something I think about uh, no matter how big the show I'm doing. Uh, it's a grind, and uh, you know you, you kind of stay at it and stick to what you believe in and use the best yeah. one and don't beat the right. best one. And a couple of other things while, while we're on that deal is is I, 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 two philosophies as I was going. I, I judged every county fair that called me when I grew up, when I was young. I never told anybody no. Um, I think one time I judged, uh, I don't know, one July, I think I judged 24 shows in a 31-day period. Um, but I, I didn't care how small it was. I didn't care how big it was. I didn't care where it was. And I didn't care what they paid. Mm-hmm. If you as a young person are going to jump in this deal and you're going to be selective about what you want to do and you only want to do the ones that are going to pay you a lot of money, um, I don't know that you're doing it for the right reason. If you're doing mm-hmm. it for the money, you're damn sure in it for the wrong reason mm-hmm. or for the wrong reason. Yeah. Uh, if you do it because you want to impact a young person, you want to impact an industry, uh, and you want to try to help somebody, you'll do it regardless of where it is and regardless of how much money it is. Yep. My uh, my wife sometimes gets on me if I go to a show and I, I lose money, which <laughs> I've done yeah. times. Yep. <laughs> she'll, be, she'll be like, yeah, at least try to break even next time. I'm like, well, if they call me back, I'll go back. And yeah. I, uh, you know, that's uh, something too that I think a lot of people are worried about. Well, are they going to cover this, that, and the other or, you know, if you're, like you said, if you're in it to make money, judging livestock shows, uh, uh, good luck. And, and, and if you can, boy, teach me, I guess, cause I, I haven't, I haven't made a living of it yet. Another break real quick to, uh, share some wonderful, wonderful people, last name Anderson as well as our guest. Heidi and Charles Anderson of Legacy Livestock Imaging are incredible people. And those are the folks you want to capture images inside and outside of the show ring. They're doing family photos. They're doing senior photos. Or if you just want your livestock pictured, they can do it all, folks. Legacy Livestock Imaging is the best in the business. And not only do they capture the images, but they're selling them on LegacyLivestockImaging.com. Get your prints today and book with Legacy Livestock Imaging. Let's get back to the show with Mr. Brian Anderson. Well, one of the other things, just kind of a funny question, I guess. Do you have any pregame rituals before you do a big one? Anymore, I go to the bathroom before I go to <laughs> that, That's just an age thing. I know I better do that before class one starts. But no, I, I don't. I used to sit there when I was young. I'd travel that road on the way to the show. So what's my champion going to look like? What's my champion going to look like? You don't always have that kind to use. I, I'll never forget. I went to judge the uh, the Big E stock show in Pennsylvania. And I thought, man, this is big time. I've got one of these big stock shows, the, Exposi- the Big E Exposition. And I think they had 26 hogs. Mm. Is all they had at that deal. They had a lightweight class, a middleweight class, and a heavyweight class. My lightweight class winner, no weight limits. My lightweight class winner weighed 180 pounds. Nice. My middleweight class winner weighed 240 pounds. But we've all seen those sprout legged baby pigs that got their legs kicked out to the side. I mean, if I'd have had black tape, I'd have tried to tie his legs together. But that's how he was moving off of his hind legs. And my heavyweight hog weighed 350 pounds. Whoa. 
<laughs> so I get into my grand drive and I make sure I look around that ring that there's nobody I know. And I use that crippled sprout a legged hog that weighed 250 pounds because at least he's somewhat fit the, the weight range we were looking for. <laughs> but you don't know what you're going to run into. You'd like yeah. to think that every champion you name is going to be one that you want hanging on the wall somewhere. Not necessarily. It doesn't happen that way, mm -hmm. but, uh, no, I, I don't have, I just, uh, no, I probably my pre-game pre -game ritual is to go to the bathroom before I judge. There class. you go. A must absolute <laughs> must. Well, but I will tell I you in, in all my years judging, I, I will never, ever forget, uh, the Illinois state fair. And I made a run that summer where I got to judge, um, uh, Missouri, Illinois, Indiana and Ohio, four days in a row, whether it be the junior show or the open show. Uh, but I'll never forget working alongside Jim McCoy at the Illinois State Fair. And we did the open show and uh, got in late that night before. My dad and my brother made that trip with me. And the way home from Ohio, I had the worst toothache I've ever had in my life um, uh, and had a root canal done when I got home from that trip. But setting down the chat and visit with Jim McCoy the morning before that we judged those bears and said, you know, and, and he had an agenda at the end of the day. And that's when we were getting into paleo, and that's when we were getting into uh, Pietra and hogs and all that stuff and, and head carriage and different things like that. And uh, he said, well, do you have an agenda to talk about at the end of the day? And I said, not necessarily. He says, well, here's what I want to make sure we talk about when we make our grand speech. And I had never really, just sat there and thought, okay, well, that grand speech needs to truly mean something. And from that point on, I took a little more pride in terms of what I tried to wrap a day up with. Uh, and I'll attribute that to Jim McCoy because he helped me to kind of put a little more priority, a little more focus on why I was doing, why we were doing what we were doing. And we had a, we had an active platform uh, to visit with a group of people that day and, and to be able to convey some thoughts that need to be yeah. talked about. I and have right now I'd, I told that young person that won the Iowa State Fair, I said, I hope you'll make you a trophy at the end of the day that says, one, I survived COVID uh, or kicked COVID's butt, whatever you want to do. They survived that terrible storm, and I forget what it was called, that went through Iowa. So I, I said, I hope you got that on there. And then I said, I hope that you'll uh, put on there that you won the largest 4-H pig show at, in Iowa State Fair history. Um, and I just, those things that help that person remember what they accomplished that day and what they'd been through. And then to see the number, and I, I made this comment a number of times, you've got two choices in today's society with all this that's going on. You can live scared and not do what you want to do, or you can live. And I only get one chance in life to live. And I'm going to make sure that I do anything and everything I can and take full advantage mm -hmm. of the opportunities that are provided. I think the whole world would be a better place if we thought about those two things. Yep. When yeah, the good no Lord doubt. wants you, he'll take you. That's you right. Know. That's right. Yep. We've all got our day. It's just a matter of when it's going to be. Yeah. Yep. Well, the, uh, man, I, I tell you what, there's, there's nothing better than, than sitting back and listening to a grand drive speech that was well thought out and that has a message behind it. There's often times where sometimes you hear somebody, you know, get a little passionate about what they, what they're trying yeah. to convey. And maybe they don't necessarily convey the message the way they meant to, right. uh, or or just the opposite they just get straight into it and I, and i think that even even at the county level and, and some people make fun of people that give big speeches at, at a county fair but those people honestly maybe need to hear a little worse than than anybody yeah. and uh you know hear hear your thoughts or what you have to say and again 
last week's episode, uh, Sam Mattingly talked about knowing where you're at. Um, and, and that's a key too. And, and, and maybe the kind of speech you want to deliver, but boy, I, I get fired up when I hear a, a grand drive speech that, that somebody's real passionate about, uh, regardless if I maybe agree with it or not, it's, okay. it's something that boy, you, you love to hear, um, people using that platform at the end of the day right. to wrap up a show, uh, with something that's heartfelt and, uh, and, and something that they probably had weighing on their mind. So. Yeah. Cause I, I can assure you too. And I think we all have got to this point at one time in our lives We flat lose perspective of why we're there and what our priorities are. I was judging a small uh, jackpot show in Alma, Kansas. And um, at the end of the day, I told him, I said, you know, I said, want to be thankful that you got the chance to do this. But I said, at the end of the day, the only two things that we did that were right today and they started that day with the uh, a prayer. And then they started that thing with the, uh, the national anthem. And I said, whether you agree with me or not, I said, it doesn't matter. It pales in comparison to the fact that at the start of the day, we did two things right. Uh, we gave praise to our country and we gave glory to God. And if we do those two things, the day's pretty good. As long as you start off doing those two things, then the rest of it should just play out as it plays out mm -hmm. but mm. uh and i know you know i i'm not the most religious and lord knows i've made lots of mistakes in my life but i do know that if we trust him and put it in our hands then good things will happen but, absolutely yeah. especially yeah. in today's world you, you gotta oh, absolutely. have absolutely well brian it's been an incredible episode and we'll leave you with the question we've asked all of our guests here in, in uh, season two and and that is what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned while being involved in the in the stock show industry uh, stay grounded um never never think you're somebody you aren't i mean keep always stay grounded and understand fully who you are and what you can do uh, never take time for granted um, because we just don't know what tomorrow holds um and then surround yourself with lots of people um i've been i've been successful in all the things that i've did to this point because if i didn't know how to do it or didn't know how to fix it i knew somebody that did uh and i think what's going to make me successful in in my future is if i don't know what to do or the right answer to this deal i hope that i know somebody that will keep me on the right path uh, and keep me keep me grounded and keep me headed the right direction so uh I'm grateful. I'm internally thankful for all the friends and, and family that I have. And, and, uh, I will rely on them a bunch as we move forward. Absolutely. Brian, we, uh, we wish you the best of luck and, in, in your role and looking forward to seeing what you're going to do with it, uh, here in, in 2021, I guess, as you take over officially, yep. but, yep. uh, boy, it's sure been fun uh, chatting with you and, and, uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. Very good guys. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You bet. We'll see you. So I just had a thought, Corey. Um, we should have had Brian Anderson do the TMD Monster Jam read, although you did an, an excellent job, and it took some editing. But with that voice, it may have shook the speakers of every person listening. Yeah, luckily, uh, luckily he didn't have to do it because I feel like we probably would have gotten some people after us uh, saying that their car speakers have blown and they no longer have audio coming out. So glass shattered everywhere. Oh. Blessing in disguise. Uh, but no, uh, everybody recognizes that voice like I kind of opened up with, but um, I'm excited to see what he's going to do with CPS. Uh, it's a, 
like like he said, he's kind of been all over the the industry there, and um, it's nice to have somebody in a in a lead position like that. Uh, that's kind of been through a lot of a lot of sectors of the industry, running big shows and and being in a feed company and and, and really taking care of youth. I mean, he's kind of he's multifaceted there, uh, and I think uh, there are some very timely good discussion um, as we try our best to do uh, in that episode. So yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, good guy to talk to. And uh, like you mentioned, Trevor, certainly um, somebody who is who is entering that role with a world of experience. And uh, I think uh, we're all looking forward to seeing what what uh, Mr. Anderson can accomplish you bet. at the CPS. So you bet. Uh, before we leave, I would just like to remind you listening that the Stock Talk Apparel Store is open. You can visit our website. You can look on our Facebook page for links and just let us know. If you just if you want the private link, we could send it to you. Shoot us a message on any of our socials. We'd be happy to send it over to you to make sure that you can get your brand new Stock Talk Apparel shopped for. Uh-huh. We are incredibly excited. Uh, just a reminder um, to those that are listening, also, if you if you want a free stock talk hat, send us your Breedem Shipem Shalms. If we use them in an episode within the next twelve episodes, we will be doing a drawing for a free stock talk hat. Love it. Good, good stuff. Well, um, we're gonna have an exciting weekend here. At least I'm I'm extremely pumped about it. The bachelor party, and uh, not that our listeners care, but there may be some stories that we could tell. Maybe not. Um, so. Uh, looking forward to that and hope everybody out there is uh getting back to school healthily and um just full charge ahead rather it be high school middle school or college um good luck this uh this school year and um just like the rest of the year it's going to be a little tough at first but you'll get through it and uh, we couldn't thank you guys enough uh, no matter who you are school or not uh for listening and supporting uh, what we're doing here uh, it's been an amazing ride and uh I don't even know if we're halfway through or not. Who knows what the future holds? Uh, we're really pushing forward and got exciting things happening. So we got another really good episode next week. So stay tuned for that, and we will jump right in and see you in seven days. We love each and every one of you. Catch you later. <laughs>